Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I do think it's about the road, and I think that as many things as I have that are prizes at the end, I've had a lot of fun along the way, and I really um, am invested in that. Thanks for joining us on The Road to Somewhere, where we talk about exploration, adventure, major life change and transformation. It's about not necessarily knowing where we're going, but having faith that the journey will be worthwhile. I'm Lisa Oz. And I'm Jill Herzig, and we are going to be joined today by someone whose life has always been a huge inspiration to me. We work together, but that's not the most meaningful connection. The most meaningful connection is just having been, um, had a, a seat at the front row, watching this person just strut her life down the runway. It's been so exciting for me. Do you have women in your life who you just feel like I just watching them live their lives? You. Oh. <laughs> ah, I love it. Oh, that's cute and sweet. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. There's there, and I'm not talking about it in the Instagram way. I'm not talking about, wow, look at her in some fabulous locale every week. I'm talking about, um, wow, look at that choice. Well, our our guest today, Veronica Chambers, is truly impressive. I'm just looking. I've never. I, I feel like I'm the odd girl in this room because you guys clearly have a past, and I, I'm just looking at her resume, and it is mind blowing. Um, writer, 
archival storyteller, senior editor of the special projects team at the New York Times, co-author of four New York Times bestsellers, and written more than a dozen books for children, been in publishing. Every form of creative endeavor that I can think of. Veronica, thank you for being with us today. I'm so excited to be here. So um, back when we worked together, I used to ask you to talk about your background and your sort of origin story with our interns. Yeah. Um, we worked together at Glamour Magazine eons ago. Yes. Um, but we knew each other before and we've known each other after yeah. that. So can you talk a little bit about your about your background? Just because I had you, I had you tell interns because, again, it just, it wowed me every time. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of the very, very short version. Um, <laughs> I was born in Panama. My parents are, for, you know, I'm first generation. My parents were immigrants. I grew up in Brooklyn, super poor, um, just really poor, like no OR, like po poor. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I went to college early, and really that was like a big life choice because when I was 16, I dropped out of high school, not because I was so smart, but because like my home life was really rough. And so I was like, I may not make it to senior year. And so I went to college early. And when my brother was 16, he dropped out of school and started dealing drugs. And so, um, so I think, you know, it was like a very survival thing. And, um, when I got my first internship in magazines, they, it didn't pay. And I literally, my family all gave me like, train fare as my Christmas present so I could do it. And I remember getting there at 17 and realizing that another intern had a private car <laughs> driver to the office every day, and she never picked up her, um, I guess that I had, my first internship was sassy, which felt unpaid, and then I was at 17, and it was $125 a week before taxes, and she never picked up her check. And I just remember thinking... Her paycheck. Her paycheck. Because like, it was so meaningless to her. It was so meaningless. And every, I, you used to have to go and pick up your paycheck in those days. And, um, the woman would say, I wish I could give it to you because look, look, she, she doesn't even want it. And it was just like, it was just so hard to, like, I think people don't understand often that certain fields have a point of entry. Like, you have to be able to, like, go without pay or make $125 a week before taxes in order to have the experience to be in the room. Like, yeah. it's really hard to get into certain rooms, and I think it's still true. Oh, my gosh. I think it's still very much true. So what inspired you? What What was the driving force to go into a field where there was that barrier financially? Why would—I would have thought that you'd want to just make, make some money. money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know— um, I think about this a lot because I was trying to negotiate a contract the other day and I literally was trying to give some of my money to somebody else who I didn't think was being fairly compensated. And the person I was negotiating with was like, we can talk about her money, but I'm not taking from your money. And I think, you know, so this just, it's just a way of saying that I think despite not having had a lot, um, money for itself has not been a pure driver for me. I think I grew up in a family of readers, and I loved to read. And I think that when I learned about magazines and it seemed like an opportunity to write, it was kind of like an extension of that. I just, you know, I still remember getting those, like, first bylines and how excited I was, you know? I feel like that's the thing that drives me is, is it exciting? Is it creative? Um, can I make something? Okay, so that was then, and what has happened in between is a great career in magazines, a departure from that that 
sort of trajectory and a movement into writing all of these bestsellers and doing all of these incredible creative projects. And this summer, you have two books coming out yeah. for kids. Tell us about the the one about Shirley Chisholm, and, and because what's interesting to me about it is how long it has taken. Yes. Because um, creativity, you make it sound as though it just sort of bubbles forth and you bop from one project to the next, but yeah. some of them take have taken in your life stick to phenomenal stick to Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, you have to have patience. I first decided to write a picture book about Shirley Chisholm 10 years ago. It was a really different moment in the culture. Um, you know, you didn't have the women of the 116th Congress. You didn't have, I remember sitting with an editor and she said to me, do you know how many people have served in Congress? Do you really think all of them deserve a buck. But I had grown up in Brooklyn, and I knew Shirley Chisholm was extraordinary. I knew that she was the first woman to run, to seek the major, to seek the presidential nomination from a major party. You know, it's funny because my other children's book is about suffrage, and we've been going back and forth about Victoria Woodhull, who, of course, is the first female to run for president, but she was so crazy. Um, (laughs) You know, like Shirley Chisholm was legit, and she got electoral votes in. She convinced people at a time, you know, when civil rights was so new that the paint was still wet on the walls, you know, and she went for it and she had so much confidence and I really wanted to do it. And it started 10 years ago and it sold and then it kind of got unsold when somebody left. Um, and then I couldn't, I just couldn't sell it. And I kept, I would do this thing, I do this thing all the time because I have so many ideas where I go to Amazon and I type in Shirley Chisholm picture book and I'm like, is somebody, somebody else is going to do it. And every year it didn't happen. And I just kept, you know, I'd bring it up, I'd bring it up in meetings, I'd try to do stuff. And then like about three years ago, um, an editor that I love, Nancy Mercado, got a new job and I sent her an email and I said, you know, look at all the stuff about Shirley Chisholm. She's getting a monument. There's a state park in Brooklyn. I think Viola Davis is playing her in a movie. Um, Uzu Adubu, I think it's playing her in a TV movie. And um, I said, she's everywhere. I have this book that I wrote 10 years ago. Um, would you like to have it? And it just all started to move really fast. Yeah. So And so where do you get that that grit that helps you stick with your belief in a project and how do you know like when it's time to let something go versus when you should never never let it go that's interesting i um it's funny because i've taught writing along the way i taught at stanford recently i taught at smith which i loved um so Mona lisa smile i'm like i love teaching there (laughs) um and I, and sometimes I coach writers. I, um, I worked as a coach for Senator Cory Booker and I've, I've coached some really talented people. And there's a woman who had a project that she wanted to do, a novel, a historical novel. And she has been trying to publish it for 10 years. I have tried <laughs> in as many ways as possible to tell her this was just one idea that she had. And she just has to like let it go because ultimately I put Shirley to the side and I made other things Mm. and then I came back to it and I think that's the thing is you know I think every writer of like 
you know, merit and um, tenacity has something in a drawer <laughs> that um, the time wasn't right for. But I think the difference is, do you keep making things or do you insist that your one good idea is is the thing and the world has to catch up? I think that's the big difference. When we come back, I want to talk to you about where you get those good ideas. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, so we've been chatting about creativity, especially in the realm of the written word. And I just want to talk about where, I, I, how much of being in magazines do you think informed your your particular version of creativity? Because as you said, some people have one idea that they sit on forever, but in magazines, it's a different idea every month, right? Yeah. Or sometimes 10 ide- ideas every month. So I just want to talk about your particular type of creativity. Sure. I think that... Um magazines, and I'm so sad that there aren't as many magazines around as there were and that there aren't as many stores. I just loved it. I feel like magazines were, for me, like a gym, you know, and I could, like, 
I could work my arms or I could get on a treadmill or I could, you know, I could do a cover story. I could do a quiz. I could do, you know, That's such anything. a great analogy. You could do yeah. I could, it was a space that could hold a lot of different things. You could do it and, visually. You could do it almost yeah. entirely with, with words and text. Yeah, you yeah. could do a 10,000 word political story or you could do something that was a photo essay. I remember editing short films with you on Glamorous Woman of the Year. I mean, I just feel like there was... Just a, it was a space that allowed you to try a lot of things. Um, I think that's one of the reasons I love being at the New York Times now. I just came from there, and I'm like, I look at this building, so and I'm many like, platforms firing on every. Oh cylinder. my god! To see, you know, I could like literally just walk from my desk to the kitchen, and I can pass Michael Babar, <laughs> or I could see people from the Weekly. I could see people from the Washington Bureau. I could see someone from Crossword Puzzles, someone from Cooking, the Cooking app yep. versus the Cooking in the Paper. I mean, I just I I like spaces where you can do a lot of different things. And it's interesting that you bring up cooking because you also are the author of James Beard Award winning cookbooks, and. That's a whole other avenue of creativity for you. I have to tell you that the last James Beard Award I won, I was like, I went, first I was like, this is truly nice to be nominated because we were nominated for Best American Cookbook, which, you know, often like African-American things are like We'll talk about what the, tell tell people what the book was. Oh, it was called um, Between Harlem and Heaven, and it was an exploration of Afro-Asian American cooking. And it basically looked at how the diaspora of Africa and the diaspora of Asia intersect in cuisine in all these interesting ways, in Jamaica and Senegal and England and all this stuff. It was an idea book, which I, I love, you know, and um, and we were nominated for Best American Cookbook, and I got the nomination, and I was like, okay, um, so nice to be nominated. I'll put on a nice dress. I'll go to the James Beard Award. This isn't you know, really happening. This is not really happening. Maybe I'll meet some famous chefs, you know, David Chang or something. And... Um, <laughs> And then um, I'll go home, and the night of the awards, they said the first award is going to Best American Cookbook. And I remember sitting there and going, hell's bells. Like, it's going to be a long night. I'm going to have to be smiling right. and polite, like, all night. Right. I was like, let it come at the end. Let me have fun. Right, and right. I'll just be like, oh, bummer, I'll go home. But I was like, and then they said it was us, and I was just so shocked, but it was really something that, like, had a tiny budget that, like, came from our heart that I worked on for a long time because of said tiny budget, and and I felt like people really saw it. Yeah. And that was great. That, that bring, it sort of brings me back to your question originally about the impulse to work in a field that promised you no money. Yeah. You also pursue creative projects that promise you no money. <laughs> and, and that has been, I mean, I will say that a huge driving force in my life, and I did not come from a poor family. I, I went through economic stress as a kid, but that economic stress took hold in me, I think, in a different way. And money has been a huge driver for me. And I have trimmed and shaped my dreams and pursuits so that they could fill the coffers in the most um, effective way that I thought I could do. Um, I have followed the money. The creativity as well. I'm, I feel yeah. incredibly lucky to have been able to do, to oh, combine both. A lot of both. things, but, yes. but at the same time, you know, I took jobs that were very painful because it just was more money. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I had kids and I just wanted wanted more money and more safety. Yeah. And that really, that word is what it, what it was yeah. about. It wasn't about the money, it was about the safety. So how how does one free oneself from the 
fear-based pursuit and go for the pursuit of what you love and want to do and believe in? Yeah, I think... I mean, in some ways, my poor child, Flora, who's 13, she's like, where is the money? <laughs> and, um, she's like, you've done all this stuff. Where is the money? Um, but, you know, at the same time, I think the amazing thing is we always, well, two things. I think I was really lucky that when I married my husband, we both felt very strongly that we wanted a small life. We wanted a life that we didn't have to work hard to support. And we always said we wanted the smallest place we can live, Um that we just didn't want the overhead to be crippling. You know, I didn't send my kid to private school because I didn't want to have to say, oh, you got X grade and it caught, and I'm spending this much on school. I just, you know, like, so, I mean, I found a great charter school and she's in a bilingual school. I made choices that were important to me, but I just didn't want there to be a price. I didn't want to associate a price tag with schooling. So I feel like I was lucky that I had a partner who felt the same way. Um, but I also, as my child has grown and look at our family, I think I've just had so many experiences that you couldn't buy. So it's not a small life. It's a huge is, life, yeah, just I not mean, in terms of stuff. Yeah. I remember when um, we, I took my daughter to Spain for a month. And, um, I was just going to bring up Yeah. That. And um, so that we could, you know, she could really be emerging Spanish. And it, because my family speaks Spanish, I really wanted her to do it. And at that point, she was eight. And I think, you know, she thought Spanish was something I made her do. Like some kids have to take piano. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, it's con la espanol. And I'm like... <laughs> We're going to Spain, and you're going to speak. And um, and we came back from Spain. My husband had to leave right away for a trip. And I got a call from Donna Brazil and Mignon Moore, these group of women in D.C., who are in politics, and they said, are you coming down tomorrow to see Hillary accept the nomination? Mm. And I said, um, I said, no, it's pouring rain. I just got back from Spain last night. My husband's not here. I don't have tickets. I don't, I've never been to a convention. I don't have anything. And, you know, they... They're this group of women, they call themselves the colored girls, and they're like political impresarios. And they always say, um, don't major in the minors. And they got on the phone with me and they <laughs> said, your child needs to come see Hillary. Don't major in the minors. Just get there. Text somebody when you get there. Someone will find you. Because that's like me. I'm like, I don't want to go barging in and not get a seat and get on a train to D.C. Yeah. And and the train was expensive. It was election. I mean, it was yeah, convention weekend. It was like $700 or something. Mm-hmm. And um, The privilege of uh, yeah. riding on Yucky Amps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I got down there, and then my friend said, go to this VIP room. And I'm like... Here we go again. And I've got my child who's nine. And um, and we get there and they go, no children in this room. And I said, Mignon Moore and Donna Brazil sent me. And they said, okay. And we are seated in a box next to Reverend Jesse Jackson. Mm. And my daughter who's nine, like literally sits there and she's just like, okay, the military father, he said this. And Reverend William Barber said this. And this person, and she made notes and it was like, it was incredible. And then when the balloons fell out of the sky after, you know, the No private the school education can, can buy She just that. looked at me and she was just like, well, what she said is, a woman's going to become president. Um, but, you know, like the fact is we were so close and it was an amazing night and she talks about it all the time. And I think we get a lot of things like that. So I just try to tell her all the time that like it's the work that, both me and her dad do, and the way we do the work, the way we try to be with our colleagues and the people we work with. Like, I don't, like, when I work with people, I'm like, let's not make this miserable. Like, 
let's make it fun, let's be respectful, let's, you know, like I think it's the way we work with people as much as the work we do that we get some of the opportunities that we get. So when you're teaching young women at Smith, but young people um, at, at any university you're teaching, how do you communicate that? What is the big takeaway for people who want to be in the creative space, but have fear that they may not um, be able to survive financially. How do you communicate that to them? Um, I think that I say I say a couple of things. I think that um, that for me, you know, I wrote my first book, Mama's Girl, while I was working full time in a magazine, and I always tell the story. I, um, I I wasn't a morning person at the time, mm-hmm. so I literally. Um, would come home from work at 7, give myself like an hour to eat a TV dinner because that's the way life was then. I gave myself two hours to watch TV. And so that's 7 to 8, 8 to 10, really till like 11. And then I would set the oven timer because the oven timer, I think the maximum on the oven timer is six hours or seven hours. And I would sleep in the kitchen on the floor so that I would have to get up and write because my bed was way too comfy. And I would get up and write for two hours before I went to work. And I did that for three months until I had a draft, Yeah, you know, five days a week for three months. I mean, so because the thing is, I think people think sacrifices forever. You, can, I mean, people go on diets for much longer than I do that. You know what I mean? If you're going to, like, deny yourself, like, food, you could, like, deny yourself a little sleep and maybe make something, try. Yeah. You know? So there's a little, there's some sacrifice in there, too. Yeah, but not forever. You know, it's not like I do that. Like, even now, like, sometimes when I have a deadline, I'll get up. I'll set my alarm for 5. Sometimes I get up at 4. I hate being up at four. I love being up at five, but four feels like, oh, hell, you know, but um, <laughs> yeah. But then I'm just like, let's just get up and do this. And I make myself a cup of tea because I know it's not every day and it's not forever. It's like, just get at it, you know. Well, when we come back, I want to talk about some of the things you're doing now, which is why you're getting up at four <laughs> yeah. or five in the morning. <laughs> Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. 
Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. So we've been chatting with Veronica Chambers about some of the the artistic endeavors that she's engaged in. And you have a new, I don't know how long new is, but the, your work at the New York Times in the archives. Jill's been telling me about it. Um, can you share some of that? The reason you're going to yes. get up at four in the morning? Yes. Um, so this is an interesting thing about creativity is um, there are six million fold photos in paper folders in the sub-sub basement of the New York Times. The the files are so heavy, they can't actually be in the new building because the new building wasn't built to support it. Oh so God. it's actually like two buildings down. They would drop city. through yes. the bottom. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. And so um, about two years ago, a really brilliant editor there, Monica Drake, was like, we should do something with this. And she called me and she said, did you have any interest in photography? Mm-hmm. And I had studied photography in school. It's the one thing I was really bad at. I really wanted to, like, be a writer, photographer. I don't know what I thought that was. <laughs> and, um, and But then I collected photography. And, of course, in magazines, you work with photography and photo editors all the time. Yeah. So I said, yeah. And so they basically said, we'll have a year and you can build a team and I've had two photo editors, a reporter, an editor, a researcher, and what would you do with it? And so literally, they're not organized by date. They're not organized by photographer. They're what are or- they organized by? They're organized because they start from the late 1800s. Yeah. So whatever the photo editor thought made sense at that time. And so I remember one on my first day, I was like, everyone's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, something. <laughs> and so um, they... And someone said to me, they said, you know, it's like pickup sticks. Just throw them in the air and see what comes down. And so I just started. um, So they are organized. There are folders for states and places. There are folders for famous people. There are folders for events like war. But I thought that the interesting thing, kind of my driving thing, was that you don't have to serve history the way it was served to you. Like, that's the nice thing about going backwards. And so what I wanted to do was create things where um, where photos from different eras and periods could live together. So one of the things I noticed right away was that New York Times has photographed dance and dancers for over 100 years. Mm. Um, and everything from ballerinas to people dancing at block parties. So we did last summer, I think it was like a 60-page special section on dance, mm. and it had everything. It was the oldest photo, I think was 90 years old, and um, and they went over a span of 100 years, and, is and it your, was super fun. is your process down there in that deep sub-basement, do you just let yourself wander and wait for the 
synapses to fire and a sense of like, whoa, we got a lot of dance here. All of this dance shares something. Is that well, how it works? Or Not really. No? Um, it's, it's too hard. I mean, it's six million photos. Yeah. So it's too hard to do that. They, what happened at the same time was they started scanning mm-hmm. them because they weren't digitized. And so um, there's a team of scanners and they have a Slack channel and they'll throw things in there. Mm-hmm. And so I started to see dance somewhat from them. And um, and then sometimes I, we would go back in Italian's machine, but then also it was the team brainstorming. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like thinking, usually it's often one or two photographs that will spark the idea. So like I saw a couple of great dance photos and I thought, I bet there's more and I bet they're crazy diverse and interesting. And, you know, it's everything from like teenagers at a teen club in the 1940s watching a flamenco dancer to break dancers to the first um, ballet um, sort of recitals after World War II at like Connecticut College, these beautiful photos of ballerinas dancing across the fields. And so it was really great Central Park dancing, old people, young people, babies. Um, And so... It was, but it was just a couple of photos. And similarly, I just um, did a section on um, African independence, and I saw one photo, two photos really, about two years ago. There was a photo of a baby holding a Nigerian flag, and I thought that was interesting. And a mother carrying a baby on the back, and the baby had a flag. And then I saw a photo of a beauty pageant winner that said Miss Independence, and I thought, when? did Nigeria get independent? And it was 1960. And it turned out that um, 17 countries declared independence in 1960. And it was like the tipping point for colonialism. I had no idea. I don't, I don't know African history, you know? And, um, and so it just, and everyone said, well, you've got two photos from Nigeria. Is there more? And I'm always like, if my, you know, it's like spider sense. If my spidey sense says that, these photos are pretty incredible. I'm pretty sure we can find more. And then it turned out that when these countries declared independence, everyone needed new ID cards. So that's why you have all these photo studios popping up. And so it turned out there were lots of photos, but I didn't know any of that. I just knew that I saw two photos that I found intriguing. You're also commissioning essays based on these photos. Yes. So it seems to be people. Yeah, and the project is about what does not just... Let's put these photos together and see what see what binds them. But let's put these photos together, show them to people, and see what it sparks in them, what it tells us about us now. Yeah, yeah. Zadie Smith wrote something for us. Misty Copeland, Walter Mosley. Um, I'm trying to think. So many people. La Viage. Um, what have you What have you learned people. about yourself from this? From all of this looking and seeing. Well, you know, I feel like it's funny. It's like someone you were meant to meet. Certain jobs give you that feeling like you were meant to have them. And um, my parents were so poor that actually, like a lot of the people in these photos, their parents would not have had photos taken of them. So of my grandparents, I probably have 10 photographs of them. Of my great-grandparents, I have one photograph Mm. of each of them. So, like, literally, for me, six million photos is, like, the opposite. It's like I got handed this bounty, and I think what I see people responding to, I think our section has done incredibly well. Um, I mean, the page views and the response is just off the hook. And one, people say that the photos make them feel connected 
I think at a time when we feel disconnected. Um, you know, you see a photo of a couple having lunch in Central Park in 1958, and um, and you think about, you know, the first time that you had lunch with someone you loved or whatever, and it was crazy as people have been finding themselves in photos. So that photo that I was talking about, the couple in Central Park having lunch, someone wrote and they told us that was their parents, oh. and they're still married. Yeah. And so, you know what I mean? Like, it's like this connection, yeah. and I think the universality that um, yeah. that really, I think, photos like the ones we're finding, the ones that we ran, um, show us just how common the human experience is. Yeah. You, know? you did a really beautiful post on Instagram when the old decade ended and we hit 2020 and we started a new one looking back. I think a lot of people were doing that. Um, and you talked about all the things that have happened to you over the past 10 years. And, and you quoted an Elizabeth Bishop poem, which I love. Um, the quote was, lose farther, faster. So what is that? Why did you quote that? What does it mean to you? And what, I mean, talk about loss, looking back, looking at things that are lost, but getting a a, a strength from it. Yeah. Um, my God, Jill, you know me so well. <laughs> I'm like, I can't even fake it with you. <laughs> like, let me be deep and smart. No, she knows better. Um, so that poem won art. And, um, you know, she says, the art of losing isn't hard to master. Um, practice losing further, losing faster. I've lost two houses I loved, you know, different things, all these things that she's it lost. It equates the losing of a set of house keys and the tizzy it puts us in, um, but all the way to the loss of someone we love. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, to go back to the idea of like trying and what I tell students and stuff, it's like it's like that old, um, the um, Debbie Allen thing from fame, you know, like fame costs and here's where you start paying. I think the thing is, is that if you're like going to really like engage with life full on and you're going to say, I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to try things and I'm going to, you know, just go for it in every way, in my marriage, in my motherhood, in my friendships, in my family, in my career, um, you're going to get punched back. Like it's going to like, you, you know, some things are going to hit you. And I think for me, the loss has been great. I've had projects canceled. I've had jobs I've lost. I've had things I've gone for. I've been fired from projects. I've um, I've had people, you know, I've, you know, just had this real sense of loss and also personal loss, you know, like I've lost friends and I've, um, and I've had to let some things go, you know, like I feel like there's always this idea that like, I wanted this so badly and I and it didn't work out or it's not happening for me and I have to let it go. And I think that for me, there's what I tell my students and my friends when they ask is like, like you're defined by how, not how quickly you can bounce back, but by how artfully you can bounce back. You know, I think that, um, I think that to be able to really look something squarely Squarely and say, this is hella painful. It may have cost me money, time, ambition, ego, reputation, um, anything. And, um, and then to keep going is really tough. But I think the fact is it's happened to everyone 
who we might admire or want to follow in their footsteps. Such amazing advice. Thank you so, so much. Let's all try to live more artfully (laughs) in spite of the cost. Yeah. So everyone follow Veronica's work at veronicachambers.com. You can connect with her on Instagram and on Twitter at VV Chambers. The Road to Somewhere is recorded in New York City. Make sure you share, subscribe, rate, and review us. And let us hear from you. Where are you on your journey? Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod to Somewhere. Email us at roadtosomewhere at iheartmedia.com. Special thanks to our producer, Alicia Haywood. Thanks for joining us on The Road to Somewhere, available on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day. Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.